three, two, one, and we're live. What song do we have today, Rasa? Uh, this one is called Radha Krishna Kora Dhyana. I haven't actually had it sung, but the uh, lyrics are very beautiful. It would be nice to read that. It's something different that maybe people haven't heard before. Yeah. And that could be a challenge as well to try and sing it later on. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm sure someone has done it, but it's just not one of the like, you know, really popular ones that gets sung all the time. Yeah. Did you want to read it or should I? Uh, sure. Meditate on Shri Shri Radha Krishna. Don't desire anything else, even in your dreams. The treasure of love for the youthful divine couple is more valuable than gold purified in 10,000 flames. As a fish without water suffers and dies, so a devotee perishes without love for the divine couple. As a chataka bird carefully follows the clouds, so a devotee loves the divine couple. As a bumblebee yearns for lotus flowers, a chakora bird yearns for moonlight, a chaste wife yearns for her husband, and a pauper yearns for money. A devotee yearns to attain love for the divine couple. The happiness of the senses is full of poison. Pride does not bring happiness. These things do not bring happiness. They bring only pain. Taste the nectar of serving Lord Govinda, associate with his devotees. Learn the truth of loving devotional service. The treasure of divine love does not present itself before the demons that turn their backs on Lord Govinda. Become angry when they see devotees and think the devotees are ordinary people. These unfortunate fools cannot understand the truth. Pri proud, bewildered by false ego and empty of devotion for the Lord, they are the poorest and most rigid people in the world. All their thoughts are empty and without meaning. O oh mind, renounce everything and desire only to love and serve the Supreme Personality of God, Lord Hari. Lord Govinda, the best of them, who tastes transcendental nectar, stays in King Nanda's house. Desire him alone. Narajan Das says, because I cannot attain the association of the devotees, my life is like a burning fire. No one is unfortunate as I. I, over I am overcome by material illusion, and great pain is beginning to wake me. Okay, so yesterday we stopped at an interesting spot and we had a little bit of homework. I don't know if you remember, but we were going to start off with um, just briefly defining what the difference between Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan realization is. Oh, no, no, this is you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what came to mind is Brahman realization is sort of seeing Krishna everywhere. Um, Krishna means the all-attractive uh, feature of the Lord. And um, anything that attracts us, whether it's the warmth of the sun, the mightiness of the mountains, the smell of a flower, that's all Krishna's potency. And so that's Brahman realization. Paramatma realization becomes a little bit more personal. We start to look within instead of without we start to look within and we find that krishna is actually there in our hearts sort of guiding us and um practically speaking when one starts to turn to krishna one starts to 
offer everything that one's doing in Christian service. So that's considered to be Paramatma realization according to like some commentaries. But Bhagavan means to completely take shelter. So now instead of doing whatever I want and offering that to Krishna, now I'm actively seeking out what does Krishna want me to do or what, what are some of the things Krishna likes. And that's why it's so nice to read books like this one where you find out these are what the devotees are like. This is what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually wants. And then we can sort of follow in those footsteps. So yeah, I thought it, it'd be nice to sort of briefly explain those three. Any corrections? Very beautifully <laughs> Thank you. Um, should I start? Or? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay. Maybe, we, yeah, maybe we can read that paragraph again. Rupanarayan stopped pacing and turned to address the Brahmana respectfully. Forgive me, he said gently. I do not wish to offend any of you. My purpose is not to minimize the importance of the Brahmanas, but to point out that coming to the Brahminical platform is not an automatic process, nor is the attainment of Brahman the end of one's spiritual quest. In fact, it is just the beginning. The absolute truth is understood in three phases, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. To reach the higher stages, you must pass through the Brahminical stage and become a Vaishnava situated on the Vasudev platform. Only then can you understand the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, and his qualities, name, form, and pastimes. He fixed his gaze firmly on the questioner and said, that's why those two shopkeepers could so easily defeat you. They are disciples of a great Vaishnava and have become Vaishnavas themselves. So their knowledge and devotion surpasses yours. Consequently, to consider them or their guru low class is a grave offense. Regardless of their birth, they are worthy of your worship, of our worship. Therefore, I humbly ask you to swallow your pride. Pressing his palms together in namaskar, Rupanarayan scanned the faces of his audience, his eyes pleading for understanding. For your own good, give up your attitude of superiority over the Vaishnavas. This mentality will only lead you down the road to destruction. Take my advice, for I have learned this lesson by experience. I once made the mistake of arrogantly considering myself superior to a great devotee, but by the Vaishnava's mercy, I was humbled. Mention of Rupanarayan's personal mistake caught his listener's attention. Rupanarayan's face softened and tears welled up in his eyes. Heaving a deep sigh, he sat down and he, when he next spoke, his voice cracked with emotion. Many years ago, when I was a very young scholar, I pompously traveled up and down the countryside, defeating pundits in debate. I was so proud of my learning that I demanded a certificate of victory from each of my opponents so I could show everyone that I was Digvijayi, one who had conquered in all directions. Eventually, 
I went to Vrindavan with the intention of defeating the famous scholars Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami, but when I was rudely but when I rudely challenged them, they humbly declined to argue, saying they were not qualified to debate such a learned person as me. Hearing this, my head swelled and I thought, ah, now I am the greatest scholar of all time. When I asked Rupa and Sanatan to sign the certificate of defeat, they easily did so and sent me on my way. Intrigued by Rupa Narayan's intimate disclosure, the Panditas moved in closer. Rupa Narayan shook his head, shamed by the remembrance of it, blinded by vanity. I went straight to the bank of the Yamuna River and bragged to everyone I could find that Rupa and Sanatan were afraid to debate me. Sri Jiva Goswami, the young nephew, happened to come to the Yamuna at the time and heard my prideful boast. Eager to vindicate his uncle's reputation, he said with some anger in his voice, I'm a pupil of Rupa and Sanatan. If you can defeat me, I shall accept you as the winner. You will now learn how clever Rupa and Sanatan are by debating with me. Well, the debate that followed was heated and it lasted for days. Sri Jiva expertly defeated the philosophy of Advaita Vada and established the superiority of devotional service above jnana and karma. At last, I was forced to bow my head in defeat. Yet strangely, I didn't feel humiliated. Rather, I felt purified. My heart was actually overflowing with transcendental happiness. By the merciful association of the exalted Saint Sri Jiva, my eyes were opened and I understood the truth. Relieved of the heavy burden of my pride, I humbly apologized to Sri Jiva, Rupa and Sanatan. And at that time, Sanatan Goswami told me that in the future, I would take initiation from Narottam Keturi. Since that time, I have been wandering around eagerly waiting to meet the great soul. When new Brahmanas arrived at the court of Raja Narasimha to lodge a complaint against Narutam Thakur, although externally I agreed to your plan to defeat him in debate, I was thinking that my good fortune had finally arrived. Now we shall all be delivered by the Thakur's mercy. By his immense spiritual potency, Thakur Mahashai is drawing us all to him. Stunned by this confession, the chief of the Brahmanas could no longer hold his tongue. You traitor, you had, not, you had no intention of helping us. He turned to his colleagues. We have been harboring an enemy in our own camp. And with that, the Brahmanas stalked out of the assembly. Again, mayhem descended. Some of the pundits were amazed by Rupanarayan's revelation. Some were bewildered others dubious, and many more completely won over. In the meantime, Raja Narasimha had listened silently to all that had transpired. Now he stepped forward and with a beaming smile wrapped an arm around Rupanarayan's shoulder. Aha, Panditji, you are a clever man. Thank you for, your op for opening our eyes. Then it is just as I had suspected. Thakur Mahashaya is an extraordinary saint. So what are we to do now? What should our course of action be? 
We should continue on to Katuri tomorrow, Rupa Narayan said, not to debate, but to take shelter of Sri Nartan Thakur Mahashai. Yes, yes, Rajanarasimha agreed enthusiastically. We have come so far. Now we must meet this great devotee, seek a shelter, and apologize for our presumption. I have been wanting to meet him for a very long time. Turning again to the pundits, Rupa Narayan concluded, So, my friends, your defeat is no cause for shame. You are being offered the great opportunity to make spiritual progress. Don't be afraid. Accept your defeat graciously. Let's all go to Geturi and take shelter of Nartam Thakur. His spiritual power is so great that he can deliver all of us from the ocean of material existence. Some of the pundits agreed and others still looked dazed by the rapid turn of events. The king gave his command, we shall stay here tonight and start for Ketur in the morning. Saying this, Rajanarasimha and Rupanarayan left the assembly, leaving the pundits to ponder. By morning, most of the pundits had recognized their folly and were eager to meet Thakur Mahashai. They discussed their plans for departure. Suddenly, the chief of the Brahmanas ran into their camp, crying hysterically and fell at Rupanarayan's feet. Shocked to see the pundit in such a state, everyone gathered around him. Rupanarayan gently pulled the emotional pundit to his knees. What's happened? He asked. The pundit's face was ashen and his eyes red from crying. I'm sorry, he sobbed. Please forgive me. You were right, you were right. Amazed by the change in the pundit's demeanor, Rupanarayan asked, how have you come to such a change of heart? Struggling to compose himself, the pundit took a deep, trembling breath and wiped his tears. Last night, when I fell asleep, he said, his voice wavering, the goddess Bhagavati appeared before me. She was furious. Her blood-red eyes flashed with anger. The Brahmana shuddered at the remembrance. Holding a sword in her hand, she yelled, you rogue, you shameless excuse for a pundit. I will behead you. All your studies have been in vain because you have criticized the great devotee Naratam Thakur. By this offense, you have purchased your ticket to hell. Naratam is the incarnation of the Lord's ecstasy. He is a true Brahmana because he not only understands Brahman, but he has captured the Supreme Brahman, Krishna, in his heart. Thus a bright sacred thread is permanently embedded in Naratam's heart. You must perform a true, you must become a true Brahmana by accepting initiation from him. Only his mercy can save you from the sufferings of hell. Pandit clasped his head in his hands and then Bhagavati disappeared. It was horrible. I woke up trembling with fear. Now I realize my grave mistake, he said, fighting back more tears. Please allow me to come with you to get to her. Thakur Mahashaya heartedly, along with his disciples at Ganga Narayan, mm, sorry, let me let you read from here. What happened? <laughs> 
<laughs> I just realized that <laughs> I had started another segment. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was totally fine. I was, I was up there along with you. Thakur <laughs> um, Mahashai laughed heartily along with his disciples as Ganga Narayan Chakravarti and Ramachandra Kaviraj described their debate with the arrogant pundits. He was relieved to have been spared the confrontation with them. During the discussion, one oh, sorry. One of Narutam's disciples entered the garden and interrupted the laughter with an announcement. The king of Pakapali and his troop of pundits just entered the compound. They've gone into the temple room. Thakur Mahashai smiled brightly. Please bring them here after they've taken Darshan. With faltering steps, King Narshimha, Rupa Narayan, and the crowd of pundits approached Thakur Mahashai. When they were still at some distance, they fell to the ground in obeisance. Fearful and ashamed, they looked timidly up at Narutam's face. Narutam smiled as he saw the look of surprise on all the pundits' faces when they saw Ganga Narayan and Ramachandra by his side, dressed in dhotis and with Brahman threads and sequins clearly visible. Please sit, Narutam said. I'm fortunate to have the company of such highly learned and noble persons. Um, Venturing forward, the king fell to his knees in front of Thakur Mahashai. We came on a simple mission, he said remorsefully. We wanted to drag you down from your position, but now we have understood our terrible mistake. Tears welled up in the king's eyes. Please forgive us and give us shelter at your feet. Thakur Mahashai was touched to see the king's tears. Standing, he pulled the king to his feet and embraced him. Don't worry, Narutam said. His own eyes went with tears. I am yours and you are mine. Deeply relieved by Thakur Mahashai's warm reception, the king broke out into a huge smile. These two disciples of yours, he motioned to Ganga Narayan and Ramachandra, saved us from committing a heinous crime at your feet. They have shown us the superiority of Pagdi. We considered ourselves most fortunate to have been defeated by your glorious disciples. The chief of the pundits sheepishly stepped forward, his face clouded by anxiety. Falling at Narutam's feet, he cried, Please forgive me, I am the greatest offender. With deep remorse, the humbled pundit sor sorrowfully retold the tale of Durga Devi's anger at him and begged to be forgiven for his offenses. Thakur Mahashai assured the pundit that he had not taken any offense. Ramachandra Kaviraj gently placed his arm around the pundit's shoulder, comforting and welcoming him. This is Rupa Narayan, the king said, introducing the famous pundit. He has been waiting for many long years to get your darshan. Rupa Narayan came forward. After offering his profound respects, he told the story of his meeting with the Vrindavan Goswamis and his defeat at the at Jiva Goswami's hands. Narutam and Ramachandra heard this tale with amazement and delight. Ramachandra Kaviraj then invited everyone to attend the art. 
Afterward, Thakur Mahashai sat down to begin kirtan. His voice was enchanting, and the king and the pundits gathered around him to listen. Through sweet songs of devotion, Thakur Mahashai instructed them all in the science of Krishna. My dear brothers, he sang, putting the yogis, karmis, jnanis, and demigod worshippers far away and rejecting the torments that are fruit of work, ordinary religion, and other processes of yoga, just worship Lord Giridhari. The innumerable varieties of philosophy and various conceptions of life are all products of the conditioned soul's pride. Trying to understand them brings no real benefit, but only pain within the mind. The fruit of work of the Karmakandi and the speculative knowledge of the Jnanakandi are two pots of poison. If one drinks these two poisons and then proclaims that they are both as sweet as nectar, he will fall from the human realm and spend a long time wandering in many species of life. The guests swayed to the music, absorbing the profound message in every stanza. Naratam looked up at their joyful faces and knew that the pure, potent teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were already acting on their hearts. On and on, Thakur Mahashaya sang, encouraging his audience to take up the process of Krishna consciousness. Give up the tendency to find fault in others and simply follow the path of pure devotional service, which is free from any extraneous motive and devoid of fruit of karma, impersonal jnana, and all other selfish desires. Thakur Mahashaya's eyes glistened with tears as he lovingly urged his audience to take shelter of his beloved Lord Krishna. Just dive into the shoreless nectar ocean of pure love for Krishna. It is larger than the largest saltwater ocean. If you swim in that nectar ocean, Lord Krishna will make all your sufferings disappear and you will attain endless transcendental bliss. Then, ending the kirtan, Thakur Mahashai invited everyone to take prasad. Touched by the Thakur Mahashai's company, the guests decided to remain in Ketu for as long as possible. In that company, both the king and his pundits were transformed. Within a short time, all of them fully embraced the Krishna conscious philosophy and accepted initiation from Thakur Mahashai. Chandraya. One day, noticing two unfamiliar men entering the courtyard, Naratam and Ramachandra stopped chanting and came forward to receive their guests. After offering them a seat and some prasad, Naratam asked, where have you come from and how may I serve you? The ruler of Gadarhat, Sri Raghavendra Rai, sent us here to deliver a message. Pulling a small piece of parchment from his bag, the messenger handed it to Naratam. Read this letter and you will understand everything. Naratam opened the letter and silently read. Respected Thakur Mahashai, I am writing this letter in hopes that you will come to my aid. Recently, my son, Chandrai, has fallen into great difficulty and I believe you are the only one saving him. <clears throat> Perhaps you have heard of him. He was the powerful zamindar of the Rajmahal fort. But some weeks ago, the spirit of a wicked Brahmana ghost entered his body and began to torment him. 
the ghost took complete control of his body and mind, forcing him to speak and behave like a madman. Barely able to eat or sleep, Chand has gradually lost all strength and is now in a terrible state. I fear for his life. I've tried everything to save him. I brought doctors and tantrics from all over the country, but no one has been able to help him. A few days ago, a psychic astrologer told me that the Brahmana Rakshasha, who has entered Chan's body, is determined to remain there, unless and until the son of the Zamindar of Kateri, Narasam Thakur Mahashai, comes here. So it appears that the only hope of curing my son lies in your hands. I beg you, please come to my home and help my boy. I will reward, reward you with anything you want. Land, gold, cows, whatever you desire will be yours if you can cure him. Please come immediately as he is losing strength rapidly. Begging for your mercy, Raghavendra Rai. Narutam looked up at the messengers quizzically. This Chand Rai, isn't he a notorious dacoit? One of the messengers nodded. Yes, a real devachi. He was a wealthy and powerful man, extremely brave and skilled in the art of weaponry. But unfortunately, wealth and power went to his head, and he became a tyrant. Within, with 5,000 horses and villages, robbing and killing people has been his regular pastime. In carrying out these cruel acts, he cares for no one. The other messenger added, he even seduced the wives and daughters of the villagers, and his brother Santosh joined him in these horrible deeds. Together they would drink and then go into the villages to pick fights. Everyone is terrified of them. Sounds like Jagai and Badai incarnate, Ramachandra said to Narata. Their father tried again and again to get them to stop their nefarious activities, the messenger continued, but they just laughed and continued their reign of terror. But now that a power, that powerful tyrant Chan Rai has been reduced to a babbling idiot because a ghost has taken over his body, he is now simply wasting away in his father's house. Naratam remained grave as he handed the letter to Ramachandra Kavirash to read. Hmm, Ramachandra said, noting the contents. It's a delicate matter. What do you think we should do? Naratam asked. I'm not sure whether we should get involved. Kaviraj shrugged. What can I say? You are the embodiment of love and are free to do as you like. Closing his eyes, Naratam sat motionless, contemplating the situation. In his meditation, he heard the voice of Lord Chaitanya. Listen, Naratam, it will be easy for you to deliver this wicked sinner, Chandroy. Go to his home and show him your mercy. He is waiting for your blessings. You appeared in this world only to deliver the fallen souls. So go with Kaviraj and free Chandroy from his sins. Naratam's golden body trembled with ecstasy. Opening his eyes with a radiant smile, he announced, tomorrow we will go to the home of Raghavendra Rai. You want to read? The next morning, after bowing at Lord Gauranga's feet, Thakur Mahashai, Ramachandra Kaviraj, Kanganarayan Chakrabarti, and several other Vaishnavas set out for Raghavendra Rai's village. 
guided by Rai's messengers. In the late afternoon, as they stopped to rest, the two messengers hurried ahead to inform Raghavendra Rai of Naritam's arrival. The next morning, as Naritam and Kaviraj chanted Java, their meditation was broken by the sound of musical instruments in the distance. The music grew louder and finally they saw a band of musicians strutting right into the camp following a large group of Brahmanas chanting Vedic mantras. A large burly fellow led the group and as he entered the camp, he looked around until his gaze fell on Naruto. He raised his hand to silence the, the cacophony. Struck by Naruto's pow powerful spiritual demeanor, he clasped his hands together in awe. You must be Takur Mahashai, he said, unable to stand in the presence of such obvious spiritual power. The man fell at Naratam's feet. Weeping with joy, he cried out, I am Raghavendra, Chandraya's father. Thank you so much for coming to my rescue. We are blessed to have your association. Nartam lifted him from the ground and said, it's our fortune to be of some service. We are simply the humble servants of the servants of the Vaishnavas. We have no other qualification. Please allow me to escort you to my house. Everyone is waiting your arrival. Nartam and his party followed Raghavinder Rai to his village, entering the town. Nartam was surprised to see that it had been decorated in his honor. Water-filled jugs and banana trees lined the roads and beautifully draped garlands of flowers and mango leaves adorned every house. As Naratam and his entourage passed, crowds of people dressed in their best clothes and jewels gathered in the streets to welcome them. Naratam re reciprocated warmly, smiling and greeting everyone with sweet words. As they arrived at Raghavendra's home, they were received by the family with utmost respect. Raghavendra offered Thakur Mahashai a cushioned seat draped with embroidered cloth hung in a garland around his neck and smeared sandal with paste on his forehead. After washing Naratam's feet with great care, he said, my home has now become blessed by your presence. It's very kind of you to invite me, Naratam said. Now let me see your son. Raghavendra, followed by his wife and family, ushered Thakur Mahashai and his associates into the adjoining room. There they saw Chandrai asleep on his bed, his skin a ghostly white and his body emancipated. Raghavendra sat, sat on the bed and gently took his son's head in his lap. Chand, he said softly, wake up. Takur Mahashai has come to our home. Offer your respects to him. Chandraya opened his pallid eyes and slowly turned his gaunt, his gaunt face towards Naruto. The moment he set eyes on Takur Mahashai, his face twisted and an inhuman voice spoke from within him. Wow. <laughs> I have become a ghost due to my past sinful activities and I have behaved just like Chandraya. That is why I have taken shelter of his body. 
I've been living within his body for a long time, but now I desire release from this hell. Shocked, Raghavendra's family and friends stepped back in fear, and Nartam could hear the curious villagers peering through the windows, gasped in horror. Again, the ghost called out, O Thakur Mahashaya, please save me from this cursed life. Your presence here has purified me. I desire to take birth in Keturi so I can become your humble servant. Listen, Nartam said, his voice firm but kind. Leave this body at once and go elsewhere. Chandraya screamed, his body jerked violently and, when, and then went limp as he fainted. Chan's mother nearly fainted herself, fanned her son frantically while his brother Santosh sprinkled water on his face. Within moments, whatever had been distorting Chan's features seemed to leave him and his face regained its normal lines. He opened his dazed eyes and slowly pulled himself to a sitting position. Shouts of joy and praise for Thakur Mahashai's for Thakur Mahashai filled the room. Santosh knelt at his brother's bedside. Thakur Mahashai has saved your life. And he explained all that happened. Chand was silent at first, then in a small voice spoke. I had the most horrible dream. He looked at Naratam and placed his palms together in respect. Please forgive me, please forgive. He cried out again, his voice racked with emotion. There is no one as cursed as me. I have committed sins not even mentioned in scripture. How can I be relieved of the reactions of my misdeeds? He looked into Naratam's eyes. He broke down. Chan's relatives and friends watched with amazement. Not only had the ghost left Chan's body, but his arrogance had disappeared as well. Santosh had a change of heart. He touched the feet of Thakur Mahashai. Although born Brahmanas, for years Chand and I have performed abominable acts. Blinded by arrogance, we have lost to the darkness. We were lost to the darkness but your radiant spiritual presence has illuminated our hearts and given us hope of a new life. You know who we are and what we have done, he said, shamed. We can do nothing but pray for your mercy. Raghavendra also fell at Thakur Mahashaya's feet. We're all indebted to, your life, to you life after life. Please consider my entire family, your, your eternal servants. Villagers pushed at the windows, straining to get a look at what had transpired inside. <laughs> what a shock it was to see the two men who had terrorized them, their powerful masters lying at Naratam's feet, begging for mercy. Naratam spoke compassionately. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will certainly bestow his unlimited mercy on all of you. He is Mahavaranyaya, the most merciful. Anyone who surrenders at his lotus feet is most fortunate. I'm thinking about that scene in um, Abhay Charan, where the, the ghosts 
sort of creeps up behind Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> and and I, I was just thinking, well, I think when I saw that, I was, I was uh, probably like five or whatever, but I think th the same would be true right now. Like I would be absolutely terrified. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was that was like the classic, like super scary scene that we all were like, ah, is that ghost that's coming? <laughs> yeah. Well, my Charan, I haven't seen that in years. Have you watched that recently? I haven't watched it um, since before I moved to Mayapur. I think like wow. growing up, it was a Bai Charan cartoon Ramayan. Yeah. And like, <laughs> following Prabhupada or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the classics. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How long do you want to read? Should we read for another 10 minutes? Yeah, I can do another 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, Naratam spent the next few days instructing Raghavendra and his family about the science of delusional states. Through his association, the whole family became sincere Vaishnavas and renounced their pride and arrogance. One morning, Naratam instructed Raghavendra, go with your sons to bathe, dress in new clean clothing and return. Raghavendra and his sons bathed quickly. When they came before Naratam to offer their obeisances, they were visibly excited. Come, sit by my left side, Naratam said softly. I shall pour the nectar of the holy name into the ears of each one of you. One by one, the family members took their place next to Takamarsha. Shining like Vaikuntha angels, the two former devotees and their father humbly came before their spiritual master to receive initiation. After listening to Takamarsha's chant, chant the mantra, Raya and his sons lay prostrate before their spiritual master. Cramming into the room to watch the ceremony, Naratan's associates and Raghavendra's friends, relatives, and servants were moved to tears. The family had truly been transformed by Thakur Mahashad's kindness. After receiving initiation, Raghavendra and his sons offered many gifts to Thakur Mahashad, including clothes, money, horses, cows, and calves, even a village. Then a feast of sweets, curries, and scented rice was prepared and offered to the Lord. After Thakur Mahashaya had eaten, Raghavendra and his two sons took his remnants and drank the water that had washed his feet. Thakur Mahashaya instructed his new disciples for a few more days, then expressed his desire to return to Kajur. Unable to bear the thought of separation from their spiritual master, Raghavendra and his sons decided to accompany him to Kajur. The following morning, a large party escorted Thakur Mahashaya and his associates to the river. There, ten boats decorated with gold and jewels awaited them. Raghavendra ushered Naratam and his associates onto the boat that had been specifically prepared for them. And he and his sons boarded another. Raghavendra had arranged for the other boats to be filled with rice, beans, spices, cloth, blankets, and other gifts for the deities and devotees of Kajuru. As the boats pushed off from the shore, hordes of villagers swarmed to get one last glimpse of Thakur Mahashaya. Naratam realized that during his short visit, he had deeply touched their lives and that a great bond of love had grown between them. He knew they would not easily forget the miraculous transformation of the Raya family. 
Many of the villagers cried openly, others lay prostrate in the sand, or stood motionless, watching sadly as the boats gradually drifted further downstream. On board the boats, the devotees immersed themselves in talks of Krishna. They reached, uh, reached Kateri at noon the following day, and the party went straight to the temple for Darshan. Then Tagore Mahashai lovingly invited everyone to take prasad in the temple courtyard. Chand Rai sat next to his father and brother and the Tagore's exalted associates. Naratom smiled gently as he watched his new disciples devour the prasad. Chand's eyes met Naratom's. His face flushed and spontaneous praise for his guru poured forth. My good fortune is unfathomable, he said. Only a few days ago, I was lying on my deathbed, a horribly cruel man, headed for innumerable lives of suffering and hell. By your mercy, I now sit with saints in this pure atmosphere. Tears came to Chan's eyes. You have saved me from hell and given me real life. But my heart is filled with pain because I know I can never repay my debt to you, even in millions of lifetimes. Naratan smiled. Certainly, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the most merciful incarnation. He came to the earth, this earth to deliver the most fallen souls, and he had done so with Chandrai. That evening, the devotees gathered in the temple room as Devi Das and other expert musicians began to play their instruments. Nartam then sat among them and took a pair of kartals in his hand. He closed his eyes and began to sing earnestly. Hari Hari Vipale Jana Madhwaile. Oh Lord Hari, I have spent my life uselessly. Having obtained a human birth and not worshipped Radha and Krishna, I have knowingly drunk poison. Golokera Premadana Harinama Sakirtan. The treasure of divine love in Goloka Vrindavan has descended as the congregational chanting of Lord Hari's holy names. Why did I never develop my attraction for that chanting? Day and night, my heart burns from the fire of the poison of worldliness, and yet I have not taken the means to relieve it. Naratan's face glowed golden as he sang his compositions, expressing his heartfelt devotion with extreme humility and always presenting himself as the most fallen and unfortunate soul. Haha Prabhu Nanda Sutta Vrishavanu Sutta Yuta. O Lord Krishna, son of Nanda, Accompanied by the daughter of Rishabhan, please be merciful to me now. Naratam says, O oh Lord, please do not push me away from your reddish lotus feet. For who is my beloved except for you? As Thakur Maharshaya became more and more intensely absorbed, his limbs quivered and his eyes filled with tears. His melodious voice filled the courtyard with the unmistakable mood of true bhakti. Just meditate on Sri Sri Radha Krishna who sang. Don't desire anything else, even in your dreams. The treasure of love for the youthful divine couple is more valuable than gold purified in 10,000 flames. During the life of this body and after its death, Sri Sri Radha Krishna will always remain my goal and the two masters of my life breath. I worship the divine couple and I swim and float in the nectarine ocean of love for them. I pray that the description of their forms, qualities, and pastimes may always remain in my heart. The crowd in the courtyard swayed to the beat 
their eyes overflowing with tears as Thakur Mahashai expressed his intense yearning for spiritual perfection. As a fish without water suffers and dies, so a devotee perishes without love for the divine couple. As a Chataka bird carefully follows the clouds, so a devotee loves the divine couple. As a bumblebee yearns for the flower, a chaste wife yearns for her husband, and a pauper yearns for money, so a devotee yearns to attain love for the divine couple. <laughs> That's far out. This is like the verse. This is what we just read. <laughs> I swear, like I had no idea. I just, like, it just, I just happened to pick that one. Well done, synchronicity. <laughs> oh. Shivering, he continued. When will I attain the dark treasure known as Lord Krishna? When, agitated with ecstatic love, will I give my heart to Lord Krishna? When will I consider Lord Krishna more dear to me than my own life's breath? When will I be able to see Lord Krishna's moonlike face? Naruto folded his hands in supplication. I pray that I may now see the two lotus feet of Lord Krishna. I will place these lotus feet in my heart and dedicate my entire life and soul to them. If I am not able to see Lord Krishna's lotus feet, my heart will burn with suffering. I will end this life by entering a blazing fire or by jumping into water. Raghavendra Roy and his sons listened intently to the beautiful songs of their guru. No one wanted the night to end, but the kirtan was eventually brought to a close very late in the evening. For many days, Naratam continued to sing his bhajans and kirtans in the evenings, and Raghavendra and his sons spent their time hearing and chanting with their spiritual master. Naratam knew that simply by hearing songs about the topmost spiritual aspirations, his followers and disciples would be able to imbibe the entire Gaudiya Vaishnava philosophy. So through his songs, Naratam taught them about the guru-disciple relationship, residence in Vrindavan Dham, the importance of renunciation, the humility of the Vaishnava, the agony the soul feels when separated from God, and the highest spiritual attainments. Shall we stop there? Yeah, I think it's a nice conclusion to this segment. And yeah, it was so nice to <laughs> go back to the same song. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting. <laughs> I was wondering, do you think, or do you know if Naratam Das Thakur sung his songs and then explained them, or everyone just knew what he was talking about because everyone spoke Bengali. Um, I, I mean, purely speculation, but I would imagine that um, he would lecture and sing songs to whoever was present, but the songs were also created in such a way that he knew they would become widespread. You know how it is in the villages, everyone just sings like songs, you know, when they're working throughout the day. So yeah. I, I know that the songs are set up in such a way that they were simple to sing and simple to understand so that he didn't really need more explanation than that. But I imagine he would have elaborated to people that he was sitting with and <laughs> chatting with. So I, it's probably a bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, right now the Bengali has changed slightly. Mm -hmm. Like the Chaitamrita yeah. and even I think sometimes when Bhakti Charamaraj used to give class, some of the Brahmacharis were like, 
we we have no idea what he just said. He's speaking. Yeah, like, because he spoke high high class Bengali. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So most of this Bengali is now not considered simple Bengali anymore. <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, I mean, I guess back then it was. Yeah, I mean, it's actually amazing if you just read through the songbook um, as a book, if you just read through all the translations, it really does take you right from the beginning, like simple, basic philosophy, right up to like Monday. <laughs> yeah. Pretty incredible. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Rasa. I really appreciate everything you do. And um, I can see it's already dark in my place. So it is. Okay. <laughs> see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Arrivo. Arrivo.